This is Pop Health Week on the Blog Talk Radio and Affiliate Networks. This episode is brought to you by Health Innovation Media. And welcome, everyone. I'm Greg Masters, the producer and co-host of the show. And in the virtual studio today is my colleague, Fred Goldstein, principal co-host and co-founder here at Pop Health Week. Hey, Fred. Hello, Greg. Welcome to another week of the show. Oh, yeah. Here we go. And for those of you not familiar... (laughs) For those of you not familiar with Fred, he is a veteran healthcare executive and the president of Accountable Health LLC, a Jacksonville, Florida-based consulting firm. Fred serves on the editorial board of the Journal of Population Health Management and the advisory board of Care Innovations Validation Institute. He is past chair and former board member of the Population Health Alliance. Fred is known on Twitter as at FS Goldstein. My background includes thought leadership and strategy consulting for hospitals, health systems, and physician-led ventures. I publish and principally author ACOWatch.com, HealthInnovationMedia.com, and PrecisionMedicine.Center. And if you're in the market for digital media content development, curation, and engagement for your hospital, health system, or physician venture, or conference social media amplification needs, ping me on Twitter via Guru or email greg with two g's at healthinnovationmedia.com. And now for today's special guest, Jennifer Benz is founder and CEO of Benz Communications, a boutique consulting and marketing firm headquartered in San Francisco. She has been on the leading edge of employee benefits for nearly 15 years, starting with early adopter consumer health plans, and now with innovations in wellness, healthcare, and financial benefits. A well-known expert, Jen recently testified before the Department of Labor's ERISA Advisory Council regarding retirement education and was named one of Workforce Magazine's Game Changers. She speaks and writes as an authority on the changing benefits landscape, particularly the areas of healthcare reform, social media, and the critical role of effective communication. For more information on Jen, check out www.about.me forward slash Jennifer Benz with a Z. So Fred, with no further ado, over to you. Let's get to know Jen and what she's up to at Benz Communications. Thank you so much, Greg. And Jen, welcome to Pop Health Week. Thank you. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here with both of you. Well, we're glad you're able to join us today. So uh, perhaps we can start. Give us a little bit of background on your company and what you do in terms of communications for employers. Absolutely. Uh, My company is Benz Communications, and I started the firm a little bit over 10 years ago. And we focus exclusively on employee benefits communication. So my team and I, we spend all of our time thinking about how we can get people better engaged in their health, financial, and work-life benefits. We work with large employers, um, many Fortune 500 companies, lots of great high-tech firms out here in the Bay Area. And we help them plan and implement all of their communication across all areas of benefits. And then we also work with providers who are in the benefit space who serve large employers and help them figure out how to make their their customers more successful in terms of the communication services that they're offering. So it's very, very fun work uh, and work that I've done my whole career. Well, fantastic. I think, you know, when I think about employee benefits and, uh, okay, it's open enrollment time, here's your packet, Got to figure out what my plan document says, select a plan. Um, but really, that's 
hasn't been working too well. We, we know some of the problems with health literacy. So give us some sense of, of what you provide or how you look at that process and work to improve it. Absolutely. Uh, tra traditionally, benefits communication has been very much about uh, making the lawyers happy and, you know, providing very excruciating levels of detail and trying to make sure that everyone has, you know, all of this information. And primarily, it's been done only around annual enrollment. So employees get this absolute mountain of information during annual enrollment, the, you know, that, those couple weeks where they're trying to select their benefit plans. And then the rest of the year is kind of quiet. And so what we really fundamentally do with our clients is we shift that from being this kind of once a year, uh, you know, data dump of all of this information into a really year round, very user friendly, engaging experience for employees. So our clients are talking to their employees about their benefits and talking to them about healthcare and wellness all year long. And they're doing it in the ways that you would see consumer marketing being done where it's really all about the employee meeting their needs, making it very easy for them to take advantage of the programs that are out there, and, and hopefully maybe even giving them materials that they enjoy seeing and that they want to pay attention to. So you sort of touched on one of these, and, and you recently, or I don't know how long it's been out, but I got a chance to read your five ways to engage employees in health education and build health literacy. And this is an area, obviously, that's critically important for the country. Uh, we've discussed it on the show before in terms of the issues around health literacy and health education. And you mentioned one of the ways, which is promote resources year-round. What are mm -hmm. some of the other things that should be done and that you cover in this white paper? Absolutely. Uh, well, one of the one of the key areas for employers is to really put a ton of emphasis on simplifying information. Uh, the healthcare system is so complicated and so overwhelming, and too much health education uh, is is really written at an expert level. And oftentimes friends ask me to help them review their benefits guides and I look at employee facing benefits materials and I can't even understand them even though I've been in, my, in the industry my whole career. So we really need to focus on simplifying information and, and providing materials in ways that employees can really understand and act on. And that takes a lot more effort on behalf of the employer to do that but it, it pays off in uh, you know, in, in better behaviors and, of course, uh, better valuing of the benefits. Um, the other, the other area that is a little bit less daunting for employers is just to really help employees take advantage of all of the resources that are out there uh, within within benefit plans, within health plans, within wellness programs. There are all of these untapped resources that could be helping people manage things in their day-to-day -day lives or manage things in terms of their health care and they and they go unused um, so really simplifying things helping people take action are key um, and unfortunately there's a lot of great information and materials out there to help employers do that i think you talked about two areas that i'd like to go a little more in depth with and one mm -hmm. of them is the idea that we, we've gotten these programs now, a lot of wellness programs out there and things like that, seek to educate the employer around their health and their health conditions. Uh -huh. But people are beginning to recognize 
Well, that's great. They understand all of that or have a better knowledge of it. We've simplified that information, but they're still not accessing their benefits package, right? Because they just don't understand it. And I, I think, mm -hmm. you know, as, as you're pointing out, we're seeing more of a, a push towards, I guess, providing that information in a more usable format for individuals. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it has to be made really relevant to the individual, to what their, their needs are, uh, and, and done frequently. What we see a lot of times is an employer will roll out a new program and they'll do a big splash when the program is first introduced and you know maybe they get 40% of employees to pay attention to it or 50% and they actually go out and check it out. Well, six months down the, down the road, it might be a very different segment of the employee population that needs that program now, but they might not have been the ones to pay attention to it six months ago when it was first launched. So getting that, that year-round engagement where you're constantly reminding employees about what's available to them and helping them know that, that their employers got their back and that they're, they're great resources for them, that's a, that's a big shift to make. But once you do it and you, you kind of train employees that there are these great programs out there, then you start to get better utilization across all the benefits, not just the ones that are kind of top of the list. And as part of that, getting the utilization you talked about and I noticed this was an interesting little facet of it giving broader context to the employees what what area is that what do you talk about with that yeah well uh, employees know that healthcare costs are rising and they they know that things are changing because of the Affordable Care Act and so forth but often employers still kind of gloss that over or they they don't help employees see how the overall picture is shifting and how uh, the responsibilities on the individual are, are changing because of that. And so I think we, we haven't done a great job as an industry helping people understand that, that we're never gonna go back to low co-pays and HMOs. You know, forevermore, you're going to have to have an active role in your health and your healthcare and here's why, and here's what that looks like. And so that's, that's what we think about when it's really that, that broader context, uh, you know, really how the healthcare system is changing and how you fit into that. Um, the other piece of broader context is, you know, employers spend an outrageous amount of money on benefits, but they don't usually actually explain to employees why they do that or why they fit into the company's culture or the business uh, objectives that that organization has. So both of those are, are key opportunities to help employees see how their actions are connected to the bigger picture. And, and on, the, on the topic of connecting benefits to the employee value proposition, you know, why do you want to care about why your employer is providing these programs and how can you build more of that emotional connection to the organization? You know, that's how you translate benefits into more loyalty, more productivity, and so forth. It's not about the nuts and bolts of the insurance plan. It's, it's that feeling that the employer cares about you and is doing the right thing for you. Right. Showing them that you're, you're providing these benefits and here's what they, they do cost, et cetera. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and again, while we're doing that, I also like the way you phrased something in the document. You talked about this as presenting it as the value of financial protection. Mm -hmm. and a lot of times we think about it as our health, but, you know, given the issues we face in this country with people, you know, having to um, 
file for bankruptcy because of health costs, et cetera, insurance really should be looked at more as well as a financial protection vehicle. Absolutely, absolutely. And this is something that I think has been, unfortunately, very much lost in the transition to high deductible health plans. Uh, you know, there, there are lots of reasons people don't love high deductible plans. Um, you know, they're, it's tough to have that much uh, responsibility for the out-of-pocket costs. But health insurance is really about protecting you from the catastrophic. You know, it's protecting you from that million dollar expense. And, and that has been kind of lost in the nuts and bolts of how health insurance is changing and people are frustrated that they're having to pay several thousand dollars out of pocket. And I understand that frustration. I mean, that is a tremendous burden on the average American. Uh, but they're not, they're not realizing that the reason for that is because you have this protection. You know, if you got cancer and you needed a million dollars worth of treatment, you're gonna be covered for that. And so in that, there's something that's been kind of lost in that in terms of how we talk about health insurance day to day. And I think there's a, an opportunity for employers to do better education uh, about really tying this to financial security as well as you know getting your preventive care and kind of those day-to-day -day expenses covered. Right, it's a little like uh, the car insurance issue where, where you sort of have a sense for that that's there for when you've got an emergency and, and uh, but I cover other things. But mm -hmm. in health insurance, I guess, because, you know, for the past decades, we've had this sort of first dollar kind of coverage stuff. It, it doesn't quite resonate as well. But I think that's an important message to get across to the employees. Yeah, definitely. The, the other side of that is, you know, the majority of large employers are self-insured. So it's not really that the insurance company is going to pay that million dollar expense if you need, need it. Um, your, your employer is actually paying that for you. And that's a pretty that you know that's a pretty amazing thing if you think about it. If you go to work for a self-insured employer, they're not just saying, "Hey, we're going to pay you your salary, we're going to pay your uh, contributions to the, your 401k, we're going to give you a good work environment, and all of this." But actually, if you get really sick, we're going to cover the whole bill. And that you know that's pretty profound if you step back and think about it. Uh, and, and that is completely unknown to the, to the majority of workers. Well, that's, a, that's just a great point. I mean, I hadn't even thought of that one. How many companies are actively communicating that to their employees that we have a self-insured plan? Because I believe the numbers now in the, in the large employer group is something like 90 plus percent are self-insured. Are yeah, you seeing more of that? Uh, definitely. And even among smaller and mid-sized companies, more and more are going self-insured. I mean, I've, I've talked to companies as small as a few, couple hundred employees have, who have now decided to go self-insured. So it's becoming um, more and more the, the predominant way of managing insurance, even among mid-sized employers. Uh, but it, it's one of those things where I, I think the, a good number of companies do talk about it, but they may talk about it in a very clinical way of, you know, talking about insurance rather than really that commitment to the employee. So again, it's an opportunity to kind of change the conversation, help make, make things very employee centric and, and really show how that value to the individual is there. Right. I think you could probably take that whole argument and then take it to that next step, potentially, which is, you know, that, that graph, which I believe was from Kaiser Family Foundation that shows you know, net increase in earnings for 
for workers in the United States has been flat, while the costs for healthcare have gone through the roof, it, in essence, taking away the opportunity for employees to get raises. So uh -huh. if we can get a handle on the healthcare costs, we can redirect those funds back to where, into the employee's pocket. Absolutely, absolutely. And and that, of course, is, you know, something that as a, as a whole country, we need to be addressing. The, the cost of healthcare is not sustainable. It's not something that we should be tolerating as an industry or as individuals. And uh, and absolutely American workers have given up their pay increases over the last you know 10 or 15 years and they've gone right to health insurance costs. Yeah, so that leads to sort of your, your number five uh, topic in here. And you say, use your influence in the industry. What do you mean by that? Well, I, I think employers have so much more that they could be doing to influence the industry in both large and small ways. So some of those small ways are employers should demand more from their providers in terms of simple materials that are user-friendly, employee-friendly, that are gonna help drive action. Uh, and, and, and that's something that you, you can really do as an employer, you have a lot of uh, leverage with your vendors to ask for better communication materials and things that are going to help better educate your employees. But then I think too, really advocating and using influence across the, the broader system, uh, joining up with other employers, uh, looking at ways to explore some of the new payment models and so forth, and then and then speaking publicly. Now uh, you mentioned in in uh, the very gracious uh, bio and introduction. Uh, of me that I've uh, presented a couple times and testified for the ERISA Advisory Council. And that's an incredible group that uh, presents recommendations to the Department of Labor. And they have a hard time getting employers to tell their stories that, that uh, about what's going on with regulations and how those impact uh, what employers are able to do. And so that that's an opportunity opportunity to have more of a voice, having more of a voice in legislation and uh, telling elected representatives what you need from the US government in terms of uh, changes to regulation, changes to reform. There, there's so many ways that employers can have a more active role. And, and I really hope that more of them start to do that because it will help push the industry forward uh, and help the people who are making the decisions in Washington know the actual experience of large employers. Mm -hmm. So so one of the areas that I, I, I like to get into a little bit is, healthcare is sort of like, I call it the onion. We always add more layers, we get a new service, it just becomes another layer on the onion which creates more costs or doesn't necessarily improve outcomes. How do you sort of measure the results of what you do with an employer? We measure, we measure in a, f a few different ways. Um, of course, we're doing communications. So one of the first pieces of measurement or, or ways to measure is how are people actually interacting with the communications themselves? You know, have we gotten people to go check out that website, to open up the email, to attend that meeting or webinar, uh, to take a survey and, and so forth. So we, we measure the volume and the quality of communication. Then the second area that we measure and what's more important is 
are the interactions with the communication driving the program participation and use that you want? So are people enrolling in the health plan that you are promoting? Are they taking advantage of that wellness program? Are they using preventive care? Are they calling up that second opinion service or, or using the financial wellness benefit? Uh, you know, are they taking advantage of the EAP? There's so many programs within this ever more complicated benefits ecosystem that employees can be taken advantage of. So we look at that, that participation and use of the benefits. And then over the longer term, you can measure what are the actual health and financial outcomes that all of this is driving? Are people actually getting healthier? Are they actually saving more? You know, are your, your retirement plan or your HSA balance is going up? Uh, can we see from the claims data that, that people are getting healthier and so forth? So those are the, the three areas. Uh, and of course, the outcomes are the most important, but those take longer to measure. And so looking at in the, in the shorter term, how are people accessing information and are they actually doing something with that in terms of the behaviors we want? Um, that, that's really key. And we, we put a lot of time and energy into strategy and planning with our clients to get really clear on what are those specific behaviors that we're asking for? And, and then how do we push people toward them? And, and that's a much different way to orchestrate communications and to implement campaigns than it is to think just about educating people and providing information. We don't, we don't want to just provide information. We want people to actually take action and we want to be able to measure those actions. So, so, I mean, that was, that's a great answer. So what are some of the things you think are key to get individuals to actually do something mm -hmm. when you, when you're trying to get them to move it in, in some direction with the benefits package, what do you find most successful? Well, it, it helps a ton if the thing you're asking them to do is actually something they're going to want to do <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. So that, that is helpful to start <laughs> and uh, making sure that you realize that, you know, these are humans you're, you're talking to. Uh, but that kind of gets to a lot of the great research and insights that has been being pulled into the benefits world from behavioral economics of, you know, how do we actually design a system or design an environment that makes it easier for people to make good decisions and makes it harder for them to make hard decisions. So looking at, uh, you know, how do, how do we make it uh, appealing for someone to do the right thing? Uh, and how do we make it simple for them to do the right thing? And in that way, it's often about the simplicity in the plan design or the simplicity in the process to do something uh, wellness incentives are a great example of this. You know, if you're asking people to jump through 17 hoops to get a small wellness incentive, they're going to be a lot less likely to do it than if it's something that is simple and easy for them. So, so do you get into that discussion? Sorry to interrupt. Do you get into oh, yeah. that discussion besides just the communication tape? By the way, we're going to push them into this process, but your process stinks or something like yes, that. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, and. With some of our clients, one organization we worked with several years ago, they, they came to us and said, you know, we have about 50% of people in our high deductible plan and we just can't, we just can't seem to get any, any further. And we have, you know, fairly modest participation in our wellness program, but people are leaving these incentives on the table and we don't know why they're not doing it. You know, we've told them about this a million times. So as we started to dig into it, 
the, the health plan designs were so confusing that you couldn't understand how to, how to compare the high deductible plan to the traditional PPO. And, and, you, and they were being asked to make a lot of decisions to, to choose that plan. On the wellness incentive side, there were two different programs kind of being communicated side by side based on which carrier your health plan was with. It was a lot of complicated systems to access, uh, disconnect, you know, disconnected online platforms and so forth. And so we said, you know, this is, this is the problem. The problem is not the communications, it's the design of this. So let's simplify the, the plan design and let's simplify the process and the administration of, of these programs and then let's communicate them and get people more excited about them. Uh, you, can't, you can't fix a bad plan design or a bad system and, and user experience with good communications. You can, you can make it a little bit more palatable, but you're still gonna run into those barriers of, of people really engaging. So we, we start with that of what is that, that whole employee experience of going through the process? And if we know that's simple, then the communications are all about making it really relevant and focusing on the value for that individual. Uh, it still surprises me how often companies communicate things and it's, and it's really like, we want you to do this, so do it. Not, here's what's good for you and here's why you want to do this. And, and that's, that's really key. Uh, and then, you know, there's all sorts of fun you can have with that. Is it a video? Is it an infographic? How are you talking to employees and their family members? Are the materials targeted to, to different groups? You know, that's where the kind of the fun of communication design comes in, but it, it takes a lot of planning uh, to get all the pieces to align ahead of, ahead of time too. So, can you give uh, an example of some of the successes you've seen from uh, your work? Uh, I would be happy to. Uh, one, of our, one of our best case studies is uh, when we started working with Adobe. They're a software company, and we started working with them when they were rolling out an HSA plan to their U.S. population. And we were able to have a play a part in the, the plan design, um, all of the communication planning, all of the ways that the different vendors and administrators fit together. And one of the keys to their success is that we were able to really simplify the plan design so that comparing the, their traditional plans versus their high deductible plans with the HSA side by side was really simple and easy. And, and then we took a really big bold approach to communication. Uh, we made a, a big deal about this plan change. We, we positioned it in an, an outrageously positive light, which was very accurate for their employee population. And we were very directive. We sent out a postcard that was targeted to employees based on their, their current health plan that said, make the switch. It was, it was no question about it, this is gonna be better for you, so just, switch plans now. And in the first year, we got 62% of employees to move over into that plan without eliminating any other plans. And by year two, we had over 70%. 
And it was an overwhelmingly positive experience for employees. We followed up the communication with really high touch, robust education about how to use the plan. We created all of these fabulous infographics about where the claims go and how to understand prescription drug costs, webinar series. And we had thousands of employees attending webinars about the health plan. When, when we first got those, uh, those attendance numbers on the webinars, I thought they must be wrong. Um, but it, in fact, <laughs> we, we had thousands of employees listening in on webinars about how to use the health plan. So when you get everything aligned, it, it works really well and any big change can be seen in a positive light from employees. Yeah, well that's fantastic. It's really a critical issue, you know, beginning to give employees the tools and understanding they need so they can make the right decisions. Because healthcare, as you said, is so complicated. And anything we can do to simplify and improve that is, is fantastic. Uh, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show, Jen. I think we're coming up on about the half hour, but it's been a real pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a delight. And that'll have to be the last word on today's broadcast. We want to thank our guest, Jennifer Benz, for her time and generous insights today. Do follow Jen's work at Benz Communications on the web at www.benzcommunications.com and also on Twitter by at Jen Benz, J-E-N-B-E-N-Z. Until we meet again on Pop Health Week, for Fred Goldstein, this is Greg Masters saying bye now. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh.